Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. I'm walking to a party and this older guy comes up to me, puts out his hand and he says very innocently, hi whose wife for you? And it was just this aha moment of wow. My name is Esprit Devora, host of the Women in Tech show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the Women in Tech show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. Hi. This is Arina Panamareva, founder of Smarty. I have been listening to Women in Tech for months since I met Esprit in Google for startups in London this summer. This is very inspiring for me to listen to their journey because all of them are very different. All of them have different background and I really like to follow them on other social media just to see how their business is going. You can connect me at Aris Henry on Instagram. Thank you. If you too want to connect and collaborate with more incredible women in tech, remember you can go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. The best business resource I have is my mentor's private Facebook group. I've never found a community that cares more about one another's success. It inspired me to create the same thing for podcasters. If you're a tech company or startup looking to grow your podcast audience, I created GetPodcastListeners.com, a private group specifically to discover how other podcasters have grown their audiences so we could do the same. Check out GetPodcastListeners.com. That's GetPodcastListeners.com. Today, someone told me that they're inspired by the power in vulnerability, that I display powerful vulnerability in leadership. And it's funny because I push myself to be vulnerable all the time. It's highly uncomfortable. But I think it serves such a large purpose that I do push myself to do that. But I question myself all the time, is this hurting me or is it hurting the company? And it's interesting. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on vulnerability. I know a ton of you have said you even love these personal spots. It's one of your favorite things about the podcast. That always surprised me. Yeah, I'd love your feedback. Reach out on social. Say hello. Let me know your thoughts. Enjoy the next episode. Celebrating women in tech around the world. So exciting to have such a dynamic founder on our interview with us. Coming on from Brooklyn. Hello, Claire. Hello. I am so excited to be here with you. Claire, you are doing so much for the community and empowering us to be our best selves. Go ahead and tell me a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. So I am the founder of Ladies Get Paid. Um, we are, are an organization that helps women basically grow their career and grow their bank account. Um, so we do that through education. Um, we also have an enormous network of over 75,000 women, all 50 states, more than 120 countries. 
um, who are part of a Slack group. They're basically crowdsourcing career advice from each other. Uh, we do a conference every year. It used to be in person. Uh, now we'll bring it online. And the overall mission really is how can we get more women um, to get power, right, uh, in their companies, um, generational wealth, right? Money is power. Um, just so we can find some friggin' equality here uh, between everybody. Uh, so I am just so grateful to everybody who's part of the Ladies Get Paid community. I, I know I founded it, but I'm learning a lot from them and just feel honored to be part of it. And what inspired you to create Ladies Get Paid? How long has it existed? So I first started thinking about doing something like this maybe about five years ago. Uh, didn't actually do something until two and a half to three years ago. So I had a sort of sexist experience uh, where I was at this very fancy advertising festival, um, walking to a party, and this older guy comes up to me, puts out his hand, and he says very innocently, hi, whose wife are you? And it was just this aha moment of, wow, I think we might still be in Mad Men. <laughs> and uh, just ended up doing a lot of research from there about women in the workplace I had no idea what feminism really meant, never really heard of the wage gap. Um, a lot of this is quite privileged of me to, to assume that we were a meritocracy, right? That though my mom had been the third class of women in college, you know, we had reached parity, right? We, uh, there was no discrimination. And these statistics that I found in doing my research really begged otherwise. Uh, it was pretty bad. I didn't know how bad it was when I looked at kind of the funding gap, um, the leadership gap, right? Less than 22% of women are making it past middle management. So what do you do? That was the big question, right? As an individual, how can you possibly combat something that is so systemic and, and overwhelming? And I didn't do anything for a year. I just sort of felt like crap. Uh, and finally, I brought a group of women together uh, because I realized um, some of us were not charging enough uh, just as freelancers. Not that there was a wage gap per se, but just there wasn't information around it. People didn't really know how much to charge. And I just thought a first step is to just like bring this, quote, taboo subject out of the shadows and just simply ask other women how much do you make? And it was from there that I realized, oh my gosh, this is a topic that people want to actually talk about. And there's so much education around it, namely around salary negotiation. So, so that's where we began. And had you been interested in business before you launched Ladies Get Paid? Oh, I had had two failed startups before. So I joke that I've really been practicing for this uh, for a while. I always had a, I don't want to say a problem with authority because that makes me sound way more rebellious than I ever was. I'm, I'm pretty much a kind of good girl, but I always wanted to just sort of do my own thing. Um, not that I kind of labeled that as an entrepreneur, um, but more just, I didn't want a boss, right? I guess that's, I don't know, being millennial, quote unquote. And I always had ideas and I wanted to move fast too, right? I didn't want to have to wait for permission. So I think I had kind of what it took to be an entrepreneur, but never thought about business uh, or what business meant. And, you know, my, my parents don't own their own businesses. So I also didn't really have exposure to that. And what would you say when you first started Ladies Get Paid was the first hurdle that you overcame uh, in order to start a successful company yourself? That is a great question. I, I always move so fast that I don't really realize the hurdles until maybe I stop and I look back and I go, wow, that was really difficult. <laughs> I'm just constantly barreling through and problem solving a mile a minute. So, you know, going into $30,000 of debt on my credit card, uh, was that a hurdle? Yeah, until I sort of realized that it was. But at that point, I was making enough money where I could pay it back. I just kind of looked at everything as a means to an end. 
I would say the number one difficulty that I had in the beginning that I still sort of have is struggling to figure out why something doesn't work. So it's easy to know when something doesn't work, but it's not always obvious sort of what the variable is, right? What was the thing or the couple of things that led to the reason that, you know, people didn't show up for your event or you didn't sell as many tickets as you thought you would, right? Like there's a lot of factors that go into that. So I would say also even straddling the desire to move fast while also being patient, right? The willingness to to look back and to reflect while also continuing to barrel through, right? Time is of the essence, but if you don't reflect, then you're not going to be able to really course correct when, when you need to. And you empower your community to value ourselves. How did you value yourself in the beginning? How did you know how much to charge and what to charge? How were you a lady who got paid when you started? How did you place that pricing tier? I love that you asked me that. Nobody ever asks me that. Uh, And I joke that I'm kind of the last to be paid. Interestingly, there's expectation from the community that everything I do needs to be sort of charity. They forget that this is also a business and that I I have to charge enough for for me to live. And quite frankly, I would like to get rich. Uh, That there doesn't have to be, you know, discrepancy between doing well and, and doing good. Knowing my worth before, I mean, listen, Internally, that's therapy, right? Years of therapy, lots of Brene Brown books. I knew that I had something to say, right? I was able to battle any of those sort of inner negative self-talk. In terms of translating that into actual dollars, I basically just kept experimenting with prices. I mean, I knew that I wanted this to be as inclusive as possible, right? So, you know, at a certain price point, you just can't charge people $100 for tickets if you want to get the maximum number of people in the room to attend in the first place. I did my market research, right? You look at, well, what are other people charging for workshops? I was hiring career coaches, splitting ticket prices with them 50-50. So a lot of this was a dialogue with them. They knew the market well. And that balance of, you know, having a ticket price that's accessible, but also you don't want to undervalue yourself too much because otherwise you're sort of sending the signal that you're not good enough also. So so find that kind of sweet spot, which, you know, comes from the market research, but you just have to try it. And if people aren't showing up, then you adjust it and you try it again. What were your startups before this company? So the first one, which I feel like I've been... I've like almost circled back to or I'm like still have hope that it can happen. It was, I don't want to say Ask Jeeves because I don't know how many people listening kind of remember Ask Jeeves. I actually know what Ask Jeeves is. So it was this idea of a Google type search, but specific to careers. And whatever question you asked, what would come up would be filmed interviews that I did with all different kinds of people. And those video interviews would be cut up into very short segments. Oh, now I'm realizing maybe that's like TikTok. And they would be tagged. So based on your question, you could get a ton of different clips from people whose career paths you may never have considered. Um, You may think you have nothing in common with them, but because you asked a certain thing, it would show you that a lot of this stuff is universal, right? I was particularly interested in emotional intelligence, right? And how that gets kind of manifested in different career paths and wanting to show people that the world is bigger than they can imagine. And then that would also turn into networks, right? So the people who I filmed, you know, I gave them the choice of, do you want to make yourself available to be contacted? Are you hiring, right? Or maybe all you want is your video, right? That you're not in a position to sort of communicate or to be a mentor. But I never quite figured out who was going to pay for this and if this was going to be kind of super high quality, so sort of magazine style, or if this was going to be kind of that quick and dirty YouTube video. I basically couldn't make really hard decisions. I was very good at starting it. Great idea, great enthusiasm, looked really good, but I didn't have really the guts to to make, you know, put a stake in the ground and say, this is how we're going to do it. 
So I just ended up kind of pivoting out, worked for other people. And then I started a dating app, <laughs> wanted to, to, you know, match people. And it was kind of like Bumble, really. I mean, it was based on women. It was uh, women referring people that they knew to each other. You know, the men couldn't be on it. But each woman who had a profile, she had recommendations of men in her life that she thought could be good fits. So, you know, it's sort of funny to look back because these things in a way kind of exist. <laughs> Meant I was good. What were your main roles in those startups? So I was the founder. Um, I was the founder of both. I, I brought on co-founders. No, um, no. So I mean, like, what was the main thing that you handled um, on the day-to-day? Oh, on the day-to-day, I mean, because I was the founder and I, I brought on a partner and it was just the two of us, I did everything. But I was really the the sort of visionary and the content producer. And the people that I worked with were were much more like the technical product person. Totally. And then what would you say is your superpower in Ladies Get Paid? I think my superpower is empathy. It allows me to create programming that really resonates with people, I think, on a deeper level. Um, it allows me to translate tough concepts or kind of intimidating concepts uh, in our careers, in our finance lives, you know, and and express them in a way that makes people want to listen, that they feel heard, uh, that everything is going to be okay. So I think, you know, empathy, it's exhausting, really. I mean, the thing I've had to learn is how do you, you know, protect your energy as you're also giving it to to thousands of people? I mean, you have, you have, you said 75,000 people in your community Slack group. Am I, I mean, that's around the world. What's one story that really stands out for you of the impact that Ladies Get Paid has had on this particular person and how them being a part of your resources and insights has changed their life. Do you, do you have a certain story that comes to mind? Oh man, I have so many stories. I mean, one story is, is a woman who came to an event that we hosted. Um, it was actually at Squarespace and she came up to me at the end. She was very timid and she just wanted to let me know that she'd been at her job for about seven years. Um, she had never gotten a raise. It was an extremely low amount. Uh, she had kids. I mean, it was really horrifying. And I just said, you have to join Slack. You have to come take our classes. I want to stay in touch with you. And it was a long journey for her. And when she asked for a raise, she got it, but it really wasn't high enough. So she started to look for work and we have a jobs channel. And she asked people in Slack, you know, hey, here's my resume. What do you all think? And, you know, back to that kind of crowdsourcing, people jumped in. They had a Google Doc. People were really coming together to help support this woman. Because it's not just, you know, you ask for a raise and you get it or you show up for the interview and you get it. I mean, you you have to get in the door. (laughs) You have to pass the interview. You have to do the follow-up. There's a lot of steps. And this woman, you know, she needed both the education of it, but also the motivation, the courage that I think can come really only from other people. And she ended up getting a new job. She negotiated. Awesome. Uh, so, and there are just countless other women like that. Um, other ones that I, that I love are women who have made changes in their own lives, but also have made changes in other women's lives, whether they you know, advocate for a better paid family leave policy at their office um, or car- create maybe an ERG, right? An employee resource group. Even to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC. She is a member. She came to the second workshop that I ever organized. The topic was how to get unstuck in your career. She was not happy working as a bartender. And from there, she got involved with Ladies Get Paid. We were doing some, some civic engagement work around the 2016 election. And fast forward a year, it was at one of our town halls um, about reinventing yourself. She was in the audience. She stood up and she said, I've always wanted to run for office, but I, you know, I never did. But guess what, guys? I'm going to do it now. I am going to run for office. That's awesome. And a year later, she won. So to me, I mean, that's a very extreme version of a Ladies Get Paid member, but that's what we're all about, right? You come to make change in your lives, but you realize 
this is so much bigger than you. I love it. I just, I think I've seen the community events you've done. I've been a part of some of the talks, the the virtual events, and it's so clear how passionate you are about helping others. What's one thing that we as a community could do to help you? I mean, we have so many listeners. If you had one ask of the community, what would that ask be? Well, I am writing a book. Uh, You can hear it in my voice. I'm so excited because I just turned in my manuscript last week and this has been a year and a half in the making. So January 2021, if you could buy my book, lady will get paid. Finally, guys, I have been working towards this for so long. And it is sort of the first really tangible thing that I've created that's going to have a price point on it that is absolutely accessible for you, but also will just allow me to keep doing the work that I'm doing. Uh, Other than that, ladiesgetpaid.com backslash join. Um, We just want more people to be part of this. And the last one is we have an institute, uh, an institute for higher earning is what we call it. Uh, It's a video library, 35 plus hours of career development. And if you could buy a subscription to that, $9 a month, again, super reasonable. You'll get a lot out of it. But again, this will also keep us in business so we can keep providing for more women. And how can people get in touch with you on social? Where should they find you on LinkedIn? So Claire Wasserman. You can just look me up on LinkedIn. And can you spell it for everybody? Sure. C-L-A-I-R-E. My last name is W-A-S-S-E-R-M-A-N. You can find me on Instagram at Claire Wasserman XO. You can find Ladies Get Paid at Ladies Get Paid. Um, I'm personally not on Twitter, but Ladies Get Paid definitely is. Uh, So follow them there. And guys, I'm going to do my first TikTok tomorrow. This is a whole (gasps) new world. Oh, we're going to we're going to start Animal Crossing. We're going to make a little ladies get paid island where you can come and I'll do career coaching. Um, this is when I start to feel like a boomer, though I am 32 years old. I I'm going to go for it, you know, and uh, I have someone to connect you to to help you in that journey. Yeah. Oh, good. Oh, please yeah. do. Because this is a, a whole new world for me. You got it. What would you say is the best piece of advice that you I mean, you've gotten so much advice, but what's a piece of advice over your career that's really stood out for you? I would say a great piece of advice that I received was right when I graduated college, 2009. I met this guy. Uh, it's interesting. Many of the folks in my life who've been really influential actually have been men. And I remember him asking me, you know, how do you define success? This was kind of like an offhand conversation. I don't know. We were at a bar or something. I started to answer it and he just stopped me and he goes, no, 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 no. I'm like, no, I, I literally didn't say anything. He goes, I just want to make sure that it's going to be your voice. I said, well, what do you mean my voice? He said, well, we'll try. Just tell me something. I said, well, okay, well, I see success as you cut me off again. And he goes, is that your voice? And he kept pushing me because what his point was, is this truly aligned with your values as opposed to, I don't know, your parents' voice or school's voice or society's voice? And not only that, he had me really dig into how do I see this version of success get expressed, meaning freedom, right? I kind of zoned in on this word freedom as a success. All right. What does freedom in your job look like, right? Working from home. Okay. What does freedom in your career look like, right? Making enough money so that I, you know, don't have to be tied to anything, but also not making so much money that maybe I have to be tied to something, right? So it was this great starting point to get me to think much larger Um, And I think more deeply than I had ever thought before. So that really, that really stayed with me. I love it. I think that's a really, really powerful point. Um, One thing that you've learned from your community that you see that we could do, can you give us a few tips, like what we could do as a community to value ourselves more? Like what are some commonalities you see where we're not giving ourselves the best chance? Sure. 
just remember that systems, right? Systems of work, systems of money. I mean, these were not created with or for women in mind, right? My women couldn't get credit cards uh, without their husbands until 1975. Okay. So it's not been that long. So cut yourself a break. If you feel intimidated about your career or about your bank account, you're not alone, not alone. Anyone can learn how to do this. You are going to have to put in work though, right? Google things when you don't know what they mean. Ask questions if you're unsure. The other part is imposter syndrome. If you are not status quo, right? So if you are one of the few women or few people of color on a team or in your company, you're going to doubt yourself. It's just natural, right? You're looking at leadership and if they don't look like you, you, you can sometimes wonder, do I deserve to be here? It's isolating. Oftentimes you do feel like you're the only one thinking that. Trust me, I see thousands of people and I would say every single one almost has expressed to me about a time that they have really doubted their capabilities to do whatever it is that they had in front of them. And you're not imposter if you just freaking do it. <laughs> like if you're doing a thing, you're trying, you're not just saying that you're trying, okay? So it's real if you are, if you're doing the damn thing, right? Uh, and then the last piece is letting go of perfection is especially for women. I think we're really socialized to be the good girl, right? To not disrupt, to look good at all times, right? But then we don't take as many risks. Or if we mess up, we beat ourselves up, right? Or we see, you know, what we do as a failure, right? So it's not just I messed up. It's I'm not good at my job, right? Oftentimes we take right. it to this next huge level. And that can really get in our way of A, being happy, okay? But B, moving forward. It's already hard enough for us to navigate upwards in our career. At least let's get out of our own way. Completely. Stick around. We'll be right back after the break. We would not be able to support and celebrate women in tech around the world if it weren't for you. Thank you so much for being a listener and a fan of the show. To contribute and donate, simply go to womenintech.fm on the upper right-hand side and click Donate, which empowers us to continue celebrating women in tech around the world. Thank you for being a part of our journey. There's something kind of off the cuff that I thought I'd share. I met with one of my mentors this week, Michael Roderick. He's amazing. And he has this special formula he created about defining, I guess, positioning and personality types. And he helped me discover, and I think you may share this with me, but I don't want to be presumptuous, that I'm the personality type of an advocate. And it seems that you might be the personality type of an advocate too. And what an advocate does is we help people often. We are also perceived as um, we have everything covered. <laughs> like we are, we have no problems whatsoever. So everyone comes to us with our secret trust fund that is sustaining us for our holy grail advice and opinions and connections. <laughs> and I think it's really interesting and it's something maybe I'll share with you more offline. But what's fascinating to me is having this kind of insight of like where we as community builders sit in the business economic landscape and how we could optimize setting boundaries for ourselves where maybe it's a little bit more clear that literally like your organization, ladies get paid, my organization, we are LA Tech, we literally can't exist unless it's a profitable business, you know, right. like unless it's self-sustaining. But I think when we are community builders, we get kind of put in a different bucket as mm. like, it's not a business. He, he used some Greek god name. I can't think of the name right now, but the the significance, the symbolism of the Greek god was this Greek god like literally came down and like healed you immediately. <laughs> like, and everything was fine. And it seems like sometimes people in our communities feel like, 
just like the those moments of access with us will just make everything better instantaneously. And then we'll go back off to our like venture capital trust fund, billion dollar past acquisitions, and then they'll go find their own or something. I don't know. Do you, does that land with you at all? Or is that totally off base? A thousand, a thousand percent. I think this really came to life for me when I went on a, a, tr- a trip uh, two years ago. I went across the country and I hosted these town halls. Uh, 19 cities, usually about 150, 200 women in each town hall. And it was about money. It was just talk about money. What does it mean to you? Uh, so it was a lot of like really intense stories actually from people. And it was a lot of energy on my part, a lot of taking, right? I was there yeah. to, to facilitate, to have catharsis. And so after these town halls, I would just go back to my hotel room or my Airbnb and just like lie down on the floor. Totally. Um, just, I was And I really learned how to protect myself in this time, right? How can I be in the moment with people? How can I feel with them? How can I give to them, but just not at the expense of myself? Um, And that took time. That took a lot of specific practices. So not just telling myself, you know, to do that. And and the best thing about it, uh, besides the fact that this has now been sustainable, right? That that's good for everybody else as well for me. When I did our conference a year ago, two years ago, I can't remember, five hundred people were there, and this woman at the end came up to me and she said, "I saw what you did." I said, "What do you mean?" She said, "I am a healer, and I saw how you held space for everybody, but you did not let them in into you. You really, it's mm-hmm. like you had a little bubble." But I could tell, right? Because that's the key is you don't want anyone to realize that you're holding people at arm's length, right? They should feel the warmth, right? And you want to feel it too. And and it's just this this balancing act. And I felt so recognized by her that that meant a lot. But you're right. I mean, nobody usually asks me how I'm doing. Uh, And there's also this, you know, this kind of self-martyrdom that's expected. I think A, of women and B, of any kind of social entrepreneur, like somehow you, it's wrong if you make money. Um, and when people ask, are you a nonprofit, which, which I'm not, yeah, you know, totally. I, I say to them, why? Just out of curiosity, why do you think that I am? Does being a for-profit and doing this kind of work, is that at odds with each other? And it is a larger, very interesting conversation to have. Totally. But the immediate assumption is, oh, this is either a passion project or just charity. And she's like living paycheck to paycheck. And I was like, yeah, I was last year, but I certainly don't want to go back to that place. Totally. I had this meeting with this investor this week who's just, uh, I guess you could say he's been a fan for a long time um, and just supportive. And I decided to reach out to him, not to invest in me, just reach out to him, say, hey, I have some questions. Can I can I talk to you? And then at, at the end of our conversation, he's like, you should be a part of a founder group. Like, who do you talk to? And I'm like, no one. Everyone comes to me for the guidance and the advice and the resources. So I don't have a space to seek that out. And everyone just assumes I'm always okay. But what took it to a further level was having that conversation with Michael Roderick where he was like, and this is why, because you're an advocate and you're not doing the things that you need to do to self-sustain within the role of playing an advocate. And there's so much more to get into. If you're interested, I'll share with you offline. But it made me feel so empowered to make different choices when I understood why what was happening was happening. Because up until Michael told me this past week, I was absolutely confused. I'll give you an example. 
probably shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it anyway, especially when it comes to like ladies get paid. So I was doing an experimental masterclass. Um, I always focus on over delivering. The reason I was doing my experimental masterclass is because I'm writing a book and I wanted the book to be written in a more fluid manner. So I'm like, okay, if I do a masterclass, like it will help me with my book. But I'm not going to do the masterclass for free because it takes a lot of my time. It's all my insights. I'm going to over deliver. I'm going to meet with people one on one. So I'm going to charge something, but I'm going to charge something like stupid low, 20 bucks. So 20 bucks for a one-on-one session with me for a three-hour interactive intensive like masterclass and for knowing my personality to support you even past that, right? So that's like absolutely nothing. I had someone, lovely person, say, wow, I can't, I can't believe you're delivering this much for so little. And I'm like, well, yeah, it's me. And they're like, well, I can't do that because I'm financially strapped right now. Hey, but can you get on a call? I have questions for you. Like it was just like my breaking point. And it's a lovely person, nothing wrong. But it was my breaking point because I'm like, what am I doing? Happens all the time to me. But but now I understand why. Now I understand what's going on. And I'll, if you're interested, I'll share it with you online. But I was infuriated. So that happens to you too. Oh, all the time. I, I mean, not just me personally. I mean, for ladies get paid $15 class. This should be free. Like, how dare you, you know? And yeah, like you could email me and say, I can't afford this. Of course I will help you out. But it feels like money shaming. And this is the last thing we need to be doing to, yeah. to women. Yeah, it's well to anybody, right? I think like we're all of value. And if we're sharing our knowledge and our time, that should be an energetic, respectful exchange. But the point is, I think what you're doing is great. I think that you're empowering so many people. I think shedding a light on what it takes from your end to facilitate empowering 75,000 women. It's something that you show up to all day long for a, a very long time. How many years did you say you've had ladies get paid now? Um, almost three. Yeah, that's a long time. That's like, that's well beyond 600 days. You in know what startup, I mean? In startup, yeah, I mean, we're like dogs or animals, right? Like in startup years, I mean, it's like a thousand. I mean, especially with COVID. Are you kidding? I'm yeah. like, yeah, this has not yeah. been three years. This has been much longer. <laughs> totally. And so I think it's really beautiful for everyone listening to understand, like as community builders, if someone wants to be a community builder, what it takes and how they could put boundaries in place to self-sustain and to self-care. And also for everybody listening who wants to be paid more, who wants to value themselves to not only join the, the Ladies Get Paid community, but then to honor you in that process that that Ladies Get Paid community where you're able to make more money and reach your highest estate would not be possible if you weren't facilitating it. Right, right. Yeah, I think it's a it's a great to be able to see your story from all the different angles. Couple last questions I have. One, I feel like I know the answer, but I don't want to make assumptions. And there's a very specific question I ask it and all the listeners will already know like, oh, here she goes again. Have you been on a podcast episode featured on a podcast before? Yes, I have. You're one of the few. And I, I hope that my show changes that. And I hope people poach the guests off my show to feature more women. A lot of guests will say, I don't think I'm good enough to be on the show. And they feel like because they've never been on a podcast before. But the point is, you need to start somewhere and showing an example that the majority of women who have been on the show have not been on a podcast before or on a stage before, but they're showing up even though that's scary. And then there's amazing people like you who are proactive and, and feel like, yeah, let me share with the world. Like, I'm awesome. Like, that's inspiring, too, you know. And so I always like to ask everybody that question because it sheds more light on what the real story is. 
Yeah. So I, you know, three years ago, I, I was the one writing the scripts for my bosses, you know, when they went on camera, went on the stage, I would get them ready. And it wasn't until I started my own company that it was my turn, you know? And so anyone who watches me now, and, and if you think that I'm good at it, it was practice, right? Yes. I think there are people who are naturally born, whatever, fill in the blank. Um, but you don't get great at something if you don't put in the work. So, you know, I also wasn't good at negotiating. I never negotiated. Guess what? I teach negotiation now. It is something you can learn. So that's why I'm such an evangelist for education. Listen, you got 10 bucks, you got ladies get paid. You know, you can come take a class uh, or come to our free weekly lunch. You just have to get started. and, And this is really the right time to do it, I think. And my last question is a completely selfish question. It's because of my personal hobby. What is your favorite tech tool? It could be mobile app, website, hardware, anything. Well, I was going to say Slack because it Um, it's my whole business, really. I mean, if we didn't have Slack, I'm not saying that we wouldn't have ladies get paid, um, but it would not be what it is today. The intimacy of conversations that can happen when you have different channels, you know, as opposed to sort of infinite feed of Facebook. I'm just grateful that there's a free version of Slack. I mean, we have so many people on it that, you know, we're not paying for it because we'd be out of, I mean, I wouldn't exist anymore. It's so expensive. Uh, so every 10,000 messages, it does get deleted, which I understand because we've actually over a million messages exchanged since the beginning of Ladies Get Paid. So I'm just, I can't even express to you how much of a game changer Slack has been for my business and, and for my life. But if they want to sponsor me, that would be great. Guys, come, come and sponsor. 75,000 women are also obsessed with you because this is how they connect with each other from all over the world. How do you maintain the engagement in the Slack week after week, day after day? I don't have to do anything. It's wild. I I mean, in the beginning, sure, like I was a person jumping in, asking questions, you know, providing answers for people. Because the women who come to this community are here with a question, usually you don't join Ladies Get Paid unless there's something in your life that you want to make a change, right? You want to make more money. You're looking for a new job. So they're already joining with engagement. And this is also a community with a mission, which is helping other women. So there's this goodwill that's fostered in the community. So the minute that you join Slack, you can already see what the behavior is, which is you ask a question, but you also give an answer and people keep each other posted. So if you got advice about preparing for a job interview, like that other woman I I told you about, they'll come back in and say, well, here's how the interview went. That's awesome. So then you've got people rooting for each other. And so because that behavior was established three years ago, you know, when I was really had a hand in it, it's just continued. And we've had, I don't know, we've ejected maybe like five people in the past three years um, who've violated code of conduct. It's just been really, really great behavior. And I know that that's different from other communities where you reach a certain critical mass and then all of a sudden the conversation devolves. It's never been like that with Ladies Get Paid. And part of me wants to say it's luck, but I think it's mostly by design and it, and it is the mission that does steer it in the totally. right direction. Anybody could be a part of that Slack if they sign up for your membership. Can you do a quick call out to your membership again? Ladiesgetpaid.com backslash join. Um, we actually have to add you manually to Slack. Uh, we don't have the capability of just, you know, passing through. So when you sign up, you will receive our newsletter and then probably a week later, you'll get an invitation to set up a profile for a Slack group. Claire, thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast to connect and collaborate with more extraordinary women in tech around the world. Remember, go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. Womenintechvip.com takes you straight there to the Facebook group. Say hello on social at Women in Tech Show on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will see you guys, talk to you guys, hear you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye. 
Hi, I'm Claire Wasserman. I am the founder of Ladies Get Paid. It is a career development organization that helps women grow in their careers and grow their bank accounts. Um, I am based in Brooklyn, New York. You're listening to Women in Tech. Hi, this is Arlen Hamilton, author of It's About Damn Time, How to Turn Being Underestimated into Your Greatest Advantage. And you're listening to We Are LA Tech. I feel so grateful I've had the privilege of getting an advanced copy of Arlen Hamilton's new book, It's About Damn Time. She is one of the most inspiring venture capitalists I've ever come across. Her story from having absolutely nothing and being completely broke to being one of the most influential venture capitalists in the world blows my mind and her book is insanely well written right when I picked it up I didn't want to put it down she teaches me and us how to become the asset how to be our best selves and how to be a person that not only creates opportunity for ourselves but creates an abundance of opportunity for others I'm so proud to share her book with you and I hope you'll pick it up and I know for sure you'll be just as riveted as I was with each page you turned get it's about damn time at itsaboutdamntime.com. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Miran Tikwitski. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. Community spotlight coordination by Sarah Tran. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.